fucking Phil, what do, do we do when we go traveling to new cities? We put on ridiculous glasses. Yeah, and then we take those ridiculous glasses and we go to like what bars and like clubs and that type of thing. Yeah, exactly. Why are you guys literally making shit up? What's crazy is like in major cities, you go most of the entertainment spaces, bars, restaurants, you know, buy tickets to concerts, right? Any form of entertainment. And a lot of us have thought, hmm, one day I want to own a super cool bar or one day I want to own a super cool restaurant. Um, Facts. I know I can speak for myself. I have no idea how any of that stuff works. You don't learn that in school. So today we have one of the top entertainment marketing leaders <laughs> on the continent. This guy runs the biggest nightclubs in the city, one of the biggest music festivals in North America, multiple restaurants under the wing. And what's interesting is that like, okay, I'll name a few. Rebel, Veld, the Bisha Hotel, um, Akira Back, Amal, right? These are all an assortment of restaurants and clubs and things in Toronto. It's all owned by the same company. Um, and this guy runs marketing for, for everything. Uh, so today we're going to learn about how that industry works. Welcome to the podcast, Ramsey. Voice. Welcome. Excited to be part of the pod. I know he doesn't look as legit as I made him sound, <laughs> but I promise you, he's the real deal. My mom's calling. I'm not going to answer, but... No, actually, invite I, her on. Mom? <laughs> I'm not going to answer. Picks up the phone. Oh, so good. His B-blows were so good. I'm, I'm in the middle of recording a podcast, though, with some friends. Can I... Yeah, can I call you back? <laughs> good night. All right, till love tomorrow. Love you. All right, drive safe. I love, I love you. you. Love you Go. too. What? Through all the fame and the fortune, he has his priorities right. Family first. Family. Wow. Man. I feel like. How many kids do you have? Oh, my dad's calling. <laughs> <laughs> okay, pick up. I, I, pick up. Have to edit no, this pick up. it up. Hey, dad. <laughs> Hello. I'm good. I'm just with some friends. With my friends. Yeah, I did. I went out to Biblos. The fans in high demand. Oh, okay. Yes, of when course. When was the last time your parents called you? They don't. Yeah, Text. It's been a few months Not since I've heard nice. from them. Yeah. yeah, I wish. Uh, I'm just in the middle of something with my friends, though. But can I call you after? All right, I'll call you. I love you. I love you. Bye. I love you more. <laughs> I'm, I'm a family man. What can I say? Yeah, so how are your kids? <laughs> I, uh, they could be somewhere. I just don't know. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, yeah, maybe. Is this what it's like actually at work? W so, yeah, I mean, thank you for the nice introduction. You did say I run the places. I actually don't run the places. We have a massive team. Team helps run the places. That's what people that run the place say. No, yeah. not at all. But I am part of a marketing team, uh, which I lead that does the marketing for a number of different venues. Um, like you said, restaurants, nightclubs, music festivals, uh, cannabis retail stores. Um, is it normal for one company to operate all of these different entertainment venues in cities? No, I mean, so I work for a company called Inc. Entertainment. We're one of Canada's, uh, we consider ourselves the leading uh, Canadian company that owns both hospitality venues as well as entertainment venues most people they just own uh restaurants like the families can own restaurants some people have only clubs uh but you know our company owns not only both but more stuff as well um a lot of people might know in miami 
Dave Grutman. He's massive in Miami. He's we're kind of I like to consider the Toronto version of that. Our founder and CEO Charles Kabuth is a legend in Toronto. Has paved the way for nightclubs, paved the way for hospitality and entertainment. And uh, yeah, that's that's like practically uh, it's my homie, Mr. Charles Kabuth. So I actually see him every day driving his car in New Yorkville. Yeah, I mean it's hard not to miss him. The hotels is license plate, so yeah, <laughs> he owns a hotel too, and uh, yeah, we. So yeah, I so do the marketing he, for that. He owns this sort of like parent company. Yeah, so the parent company is Inc Entertainment. Inc Entertainment is kind of like uh, the operator from at least from a marketing side for all these venues, and that's where I come in, right? Yeah. But then we have our staff at the venue level that actually operates the venues. So whether right. that's a restaurant, whether it's a nightclub, again, all those different uh, verticals that we were just talking about. So where do you fit in all of this? So my job is to sort of lead the digital marketing for all these establishments. Uh, we have a big team. We split things up. We have people that take care of restaurants, people that take care of events and nightlife, people that take care of um, the the cannabis um, right. retail stores. I kind of oversee a lot of all of it so to speak. Um, I joined the company uh, to kind of lead the social media just for like the entertainment side of things. And then over time kind of... Wait, go back, go back to that. Where did you start and where did you end up? Yeah, so starting was... So this funny story. So I was on a reality TV show that some people might have heard of called Big Brother. Uh, And so when I got off of the Big Brother Canada show... Uh, it opened up a lot of doors. Uh, one of those doors was being in a New Balance commercial. And so... I've never on, seen this. I need to see this. Yeah. So there's a commercial and uh, there's like a main male lead, a main female lead, and a secondary male lead and a secondary female lead. Well, I was a secondary male lead. The main main lead male lead was a freaking douchebag. So <laughs> all so? of us kind of like this guy's <laughs> fucking full of himself. We're not going to pay Where him was no he money. from? What, what did he do? I honestly can't even recall. All I can remember is that he was just so like, everything was about like, oh, I do this and I'm Egotistical doing this. Just like always about himself. Like everything yeah. was about oh, himself. Is this like off screen too? Yeah, just like off screen. Because there's oh, a lot like when you I know a guy shooting. like that. <laughs> hey guys. <laughs> there's, I mean, when you're shooting movies or commercials, majority, there's so much downtime. Like yes. the actual shooting aspect is so little. So... Uh, you're, that's, you know, there's all, there's so much time off the camera. And so you start building relationships. But anyways, me and the main female lead, we ended up hitting it off, becoming great friends. Okay. And at the time, her boyfriend, uh, now fiance, uh, ran the digital marketing department. So they were looking for someone to do social media. The thing is that we use a lot of flyers to promote events, flyers to promote daily uh, programming at our restaurants. And they wanted a face to be able to take a camera and face it towards himself and say, you know what? We have this show coming up at Rebel tonight. Come through. Doors open at 10 o'clock. Or if it's a club night, guest list is open till 1130. They right. wanted like they wanted more humanize the brand. Something to almost relate to as in a sense. Because a lot of Something people real. are comfortable making stories when it's like outwards. But the second that the camera's on them, they get nervous. Yeah, I feel like you guys were like a little bit of a pioneer in that sense. We've seen so much marketing throughout the years for concerts new restaurants opening through flyers. Yeah. But the second you put a relatable face 
Yeah. You know, somebody that you trust, some, like, you know, you follow this one person, yeah. you trust them. They're getting in front of the camera. They're saying, I just ate at this restaurant. It's great. And you're watching them experience all these things. And a lot of the viewers actually think you're just a consumer or a customer of this, yeah. of this brand. Um, but really you're doing the marketing for them in a way that's almost like the way TikTok works, where it's meant to be something relatable and authentic, something exactly. that your audience can relate to. Exactly. That hasn't really been seen before Inc. did it. No, I mean, it definitely, like, at the time that I took over, Instagram was just starting to blow up. And like I said, you know, stories, especially face-forward stories, were new. Like, it was not a lot of people were doing them. And so, yeah, we kind of jumped in there. I jumped in there, started doing that. And then um, over time, my manager ended up leaving. I ended up kind of taking over. And, uh, yeah, I mean... It's it's really cool. Like, there's so much work behind the scenes. Obviously, everyone, my friends, they all see, like, the fun stuff when I'm at the concerts or at the music festivals or dining at the restaurants, but they don't see all the work that goes in the back end, right? And that's just, like... That's with everything, That's, though. like, everything. You that's, know? What, that, that's why social media is sort of, like, a cancer, almost. It is. Where you just see the best of the best, and then you compare it to your life, and you're like, oh, shit. I know, but you just kind of got to realize that, like, there's so much... But the thing is, like, at the same time, I'm so busy in work mode when I'm working towards, let's say, promoting a music festival, that I don't, like, really have time to, like, be like, I'm going to take a picture of me working at my laptop preparing for this festival. So it's like you miss documenting all that. And instead, when you're finally there, the work is done by the time the event has happened. So you're like, you know what? I'm going to take a moment, enjoy this, reflect, and, and capture a moment, take a picture. And obviously, that's the one that you post. So you are posting the highlights, but it's not necessarily intentional and sometimes it's just like that's when i get my photos is like when i'm at the venues but uh yeah so where do you see this this going now because six years ago you know putting your face in front of a camera talking to an audience yeah. promoting concerts promoting restaurants that was something that wasn't seen it was brand new we're starting to see it more what would you say the next generation of this is going to be and going to look like well i mean i've just like i think the you know, the industry as a whole, the industry, the hospitality and entertainment industry as a whole is shifting. I think when I joined the company, clubs were like massive, like clubs were it. Everyone was going to clubs since COVID hit. I think people realize like we would much rather enjoy sitting at a dinner, like a dining table, having food, but then also enjoying the night. So we're seeing like you'll never clubs will never phase out. They'll never go away. But definitely more and more people are gravitating towards uh, like supper club styled night uh, right. where it's like people are going having dinner and then like the restaurant's almost becoming like a party atmosphere. And you're starting to see that with a lot of venues that are coming up in Toronto too. 100%. I mean, we like a bunch of my friends recently opened a spot on King Street that's crushing it right now. Um, pizza wine disco shout out to the yeah. guys that are running that it's just that it's literally a dinner spot that turns into a party afterwards it's not like a straight club right so how did this all happen i understand covid sort of changed consumer consumer behavior a little bit in the industry followed but yeah. generally is it the industry setting new trends and consumers following that or is it consumers getting tired of old things wanting no, something new and i would say it's consumer driven okay definitely consumer driven So without it's a pandemic what what are some examples like you know maybe before the pandemic of some consumer driven changes well, I mean the the one that I, the one that I just alluded to is probably the biggest one that I've noticed in 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 recent times. Other things like you know we operate a lot of concerts, 
um, and clubs. And we noticed like even at like there was a shift in music, for example, from consumer behavior. Like, I mean, rap, for example, like is way more relevant in the club now, like from a pop level, from like an everyday top 40 standpoint. Um, and it's funny, we were just talking about this last week with one of my colleagues and we were talking about how now like a lot more consumers in the clubs are now starting to also accept like electronic music as like a top 40 um, sort of vibe where before it was like you'd go into a club, it was like, I want to say five years ago, you'd go into a club, it was super electronic and then it shifted to like rap and now we're starting to see like uh, things kind of going back to electronic. So from that standpoint, consumer behavior dictates like the music we're playing. Uh, but we do have control over certain things. Like one of our clubs, Rebel, we have four different rooms. Each room has plays a specific um, sound, like hip hop. One is only electronic. One is yeah, only, that's insane. you know, and then you have other like, you know, Pizza Wine Disco I just brought up. Like they don't play any rap. They, it's strictly like disco music, top 40, like, ha like dance music. So and that, that place is packed. Yeah. So, I mean, that is not consumers driving their business. They're the ones that kind of decide to do that. Um, for us, we also decided to open up four rooms. Not everyone has a club big enough to host four rooms, but like there's aspects where we make decisions to, to sort of dictate the trend of a night. And then right. there are other aspects that the consumers are kind of their habits and gotcha. behaviors are dictating well, what to do. I think that just kind of just sets the tone a little bit about Inc. as well. They're they're very innovative entertainment entertainment business. Yeah, I mean Charles is like he's always trying to do the next thing. Like he's he's he literally paved the way for nightclubs. There were like no nightclubs before him yeah. and and then, you know, like trying to branch out doing hotels. Now like he's super focused on hospitality. He he wants to really make a big push for restaurants. Um so you said something really interesting at dinner today because I asked you if other cities have businesses that also own a lot of the restaurants, clubs, and yeah. entertainment venues. But you said no. Yeah, we um we're we're big enough. We're we're like big, right? So we own all these different properties. But like I said, if you go into most metropolitan markets, you don't have a company that owns like restaurant venues and clubs and hotels and it's just like it'll be a group like there's a lot of groups even here that operate in toronto but they only operate restaurants multiple restaurants like different right. kinds but they only operate restaurants um and then you can go into other markets where like a lot of clubs are like you know guys like us that party in the scene and eventually they save their money they're like yo we want to do this and so they'll be like friends that get together as partners and open clubs so they only kind of do clubs, but it's rare that you find someone that is doing it at scale across multiple different like industry or like multiple different yeah, verticals. So like the barrier to entry into hospitality is high. Dude, at it's super risky the, too, man. The independent hotel business is, at least in Toronto, it's very small. Yeah. Well, the thing is like going back to the whole consumer habits and stuff like that, we're, we're like, we're... The, the further, like, we're living in a society now where everything is switching so fast, right? We're in such a fast-paced environment. It's very risky to get involved in these businesses because, sure, you might be popping for a few months or a year, but consumers are like, okay, we've been there. We've done that. Like, what's next? So it's like the one thing that's allowed Charles to continue thriving is he's always rebranding his spots. 
Like, you know, like yeah. he's, he, and, and let's go through them quick. And so like, for example, you know, there was a club called ultra before when my mom was like 40 that, and I was young and I remember my mom had her 40th birthday at this club. And then years later I joined the company and then that we had rebranded it to cube. You know what I mean? I remember cube. Oh, yeah. That so was like, the that first was Toronto, cute. one of the first Toronto clubs I've been Which in. Which cube now? Cube, we just shut it down. There is no more club. There's, really? there's no there's more. There's nothing there? Yeah, there's nothing there. Damn, I was like, I was like, I was, I walked down King Street every day. So I'm like, where is this club that I was? It's on Queen. It's on Queen. Oh, it's on Queen. Yeah. Whatever, same thing. I remember. Yeah. I do remember Cube. You know what restaurant was my favorite that you guys shut down? La Society. Yes. I loved that place. But we replaced it with what I believe to be one of the top spots in the city now and yes. arguably the number one Middle Eastern spot. So What's a it mall, called? it's a mall. Wow. It's a middle, it's a Lebanese cuisine restaurant. Mm -hmm. And there are other Lebanese options and alternatives out there in, in the city. But um, there was none that were really like high end doing. There were not like high end restaurants that were Lebanese fine dining. And Charles wanted to please Lebanese. So he wanted a place he could take his like big shot clients and be mm, like, yo, like yeah. I want to, I want to take these guys out and show them a good time at a Lebanese spot. That's like proper. And that's how Amal was born. This place is, we're slammed there. It's amazing. Drake loves this place. Drake is there multiple times a week. That's crazy. So, <laughs> yeah. so let's talk about like how all of this is structured at an operational level. Owning one restaurant is hard enough. Yeah. So you've got like how many restaurants total across the city? Do you know? I think 15, if I'm not 15 mistaken. 15 restaurants, yeah. how many clubs? Four. Four clubs. Including well, a day club. You got that coffee shop at the Bisha. You have the Bisha. Like, that's a Hotel, lot to Hotel, three cannabis manage. retail stores. And not only are you just managing the day-to-days the day of 20-something venues, yeah. you're managing the marketing, yeah. managing the employment. Yeah, all I the mean, overhead. Like, how big is the the back office? Of so, this? so we're in the. I'm in the head office. The okay. head office is about maybe like thirty people. I want to say thirty to forty people, and so we're broken up. And so we have marketing, accounting, operations, um, music, and essentially we are juggling multiple venues like from the okay. marketing side. So we split up our marketing team and say, okay, you Phil are in charge of these five restaurants. So you're in charge of creating mm. the content, writing the captions, uh, posting the, the posts. Um, so you separate the teams in like pods for different industries, for, for different ones for venues. restaurants, ones for venues. Clubs. Oh Correct. Venue. Correct. So, cause typically like the way I think about parent companies is one of the benefits of being a child company is you get to tap into the resource of the parent companies. You don't have to hire your own accountants. Correct. You send all that data upwards. Exactly. Um, and so at a restaurant, let's just focus on the restaurant level at a restaurant level. What do you not have to have your own of if you're owned by a parent company? I'd say accountants possibly. It's everything but venue staff. We have the really? marketing team. Oh. We have the accountants for it already. 
we have the VP of like we have all of our suppliers. We already have them because we're using them from other restaurants. It's literally the location and the staff, the so, new staff that so is getting coming in. all access to all that resources would reduce the barrier to entry trying to get into that space. Can somebody come up to Charles and say, hey, I have this new restaurant idea. You can have 75 percent of the business. If I can tap into your resources, I'll run it. Is that something? Is that a way? that? Yeah, of course. Operates? I mean, Charles gets opportunities in his desk left, right and center. Like he's, he's main job is not even like, I mean, the guy is a machine. He literally like, he's so in tune with everything from the top to the bottom. He's not human in that sense, but for the most part, he's driving the new business and the new future growth. So he's like sitting at his table being like, okay, we're not doing this idea. Oh, let's pursue this. Let's see this. But he is the type of guy that's like, it doesn't matter who you are, what you do. Like our company is operates with the mindset that like if you have an opportunity bring it to the table and if the opportunity is awesome. good we'll cut you in it's almost like an incubator yeah in the entertainment yeah. space it's like what's different like what am i bringing that's unique right that it's like is it is it that i know like it's got to be more than like oh i know about a location that i think would be a good restaurant it's like there's got to be some like i don't know i know a celebrity chef from la and he wants to branch out into like toronto mm-hmm. And this guy's got weight behind his name. So it's mm. like, you you know, you combine him with, with our team that can operate the restaurant. And then, like, that's how potential for, for a new business comes about. So with, with the music space now, I asked a little bit about this earlier. Yeah. But, like, let's pivot myself. Let's imagine that I'm Justin Bieber and I want to go on a world tour. Yeah. Dude, that seems like a lot of work. Booking 30, 40 venues ticket sales, merch, making sure that all the logistics show up, the sound people, yep. travel, this and that. How does that work if I'm going to go on world tour and I want to like, you know, have yeah. a concert at Rebel? It's huge, man. It's huge. So, I mean, like we have a whole music department dedicated right. to that. Um, my job is to sell tickets to the shows, not book the talent to the shows and stuff. Um, so, but the way it works is like we have a talent booker and that talent booker has relationships with agents and agents represent artists. So if you're Justin Bieber, then you have your agent and your agent probably knows all the people who are booking talent across the world. And there, in many cases, there could be like agents have like, um, like managers that run certain areas in the world, right? So there's right. like a main agent, but you have a team, like you have an entire team helping put together these tours or whatever. And so we are obviously in the Toronto market in Canada. So we have relationships with agents and they'll come to us and they'll be like, like, you know, we're putting together a tour. Could we make the Canada stop? Or there'll be multiple booker. Like there's not just us that's trying to book concerts in Toronto. Right. There'll be multiple people. So everyone's kind of, trying to build a relationship with the agent to be like, Uh, let us promote your show that, or the stop that you want to make in Toronto. So it's not like somebody on Justin's team has to like go through the administrative work of booking everything. It's essentially a relationships game. I need, I need a few guys in Toronto. I need a few women in New York. Well, no, it is. No, 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 no. He has like, he has an entire team. He has an agency that represents him. And that agency is a company who has a team that literally does the groundwork and the nitty gritty of like, let's reach out to this people that we know in this market and that market. And then right. we will kind of bid for like, so it's a bidding war at so a venue level to host concerts at the, at the, at the foundation of it. It's a bidding war. Um, obviously that's, but just like anything in business relationships, yeah. Trump, right? Yeah, so yeah. it's like, if you 
are an agent and you represent five artists and you know that I'm a big promoter in the city and I'm going to always book your artists, not just Justin, your biggest one, but Justin and the other, the other, maybe you'll make less money coming with me, but in the end you'll make more because you know I am going to consistently come back to you. Or if you go with some one-off dude, he might maybe just want your one big guy like the most and offer something big, but it's like a one-off. So relationship game. Yeah. Everything is relationships. Not yeah, just like, business. not, not just this, right. But how business does, in general, how does the flow of money work then? Like who gets a cut of what? In what, in what sense? I don't From know a talent saying. booker perspective. I mean, we, w- the talent buyers buy the talent. So like if I'm a, so, bu- if so I'm a talent buyer, I will, and you're Justin Bieber. Cause you kind of look so like Inc, him. Inc. Inc. has a talent buyer. Yes. Okay. Multiple too. Gotcha. Main and like a, okay. a secondary. And so we'll, we'll be like, yo, we want to pay you a hundred bucks. And then we pay you a hundred bucks. You're like, yeah, okay. We agree on a hundred bucks. Yeah. Okay. We agree. Then I'll essentially now I will pay you a hundred bucks and now I will go out and start selling tickets. And now with those ticket sales, I have to make up the hundred bucks that I paid for you and make up the hundred bucks that cost to pay the rent of the rental of the venue. And I have to pay the staff that like the security staff. So basically you give me a hundred dollars to build a lemonade stand and I have to build a lemon lemonade stand as cheap as possible so I can get the biggest profit for myself. Well, you, you don't necessarily, maybe you don't like, like cheap is not necessarily the right thing. Yeah. What I'm saying is like, in order to make profit, I have to make the lemonade stand for $90 instead of a hundred. So I get the 10%. Well, the way I'm understanding if you use the lemonade analogy is if you're, if you're Justin Bieber, Ramsey buys the lemons, builds the lemonade stand, brings the lineup, you show up and hand cups out. No. Okay, we're so both wrong. Both wrong. <laughs> Justin is the lemons. So I am paying for the lemon. Oh, okay. And now I got to go out and get a stand. I got to go out and get a juicer. I got to go out, buy cups. And I determine what price oh, people are going to buy that lemon for. That I lemon juice for. I got it. And so you're trying to, you make your money based off how, how packed how many? How, le- how many? How busy can how I get my lemon stand? Cups do you sell? How many? How busy yeah. can I get my lemon stand? That's that's and all. And in a venue level, on. there is a capacity. Yeah. So when concerts don't sell out, oh, versus when they do sell out, the artist still gets the same amount of Correct. money. But so the, sometimes people lose their shirts. Oh shit! Sometimes I'm like, you know what? I think a lot. I, I think Phil's gonna be the next Justin Bieber, and and he has a fan base. Sing a B flat for us. I don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so people take risks. They're like, I think this guy's a new upcoming guy. And I'm going to book him now because by the time I book him, like he's going to be so hot, but it's just flat. And then I, I lose. Like, yeah, I paid him his whatever, his hundred bucks. And it's already cost me 200 to get like. So, so it's like a, it's like you're betting on it. You're betting. It's yeah. hundred percent. So you're, really when you go to a concert. It's a show being put on by, by the, a promoter. By so the there's, promoter, not there's, by people the don't know this. Artist. Exactly. People don't know that. That there are promoters. Holy like there are promoters that are putting together these shows. Now, there are artists that have that are big artists that they have like full on tours. And then we're just like trying to bid on like having the Canadian stop or the Toronto stop. 
Wow. So, so yeah, that's how it works. There's like a lot of people don't know that like it's so important for me as a marketer to make sure we fucking sell tickets because we will lose money. Now, the good thing about Inc. compared to other people is that when you're a promoter, anyone could be a promoter. Like I can go to L.A., meet some meet an agent and, and hit it off with him. He's going to love me and it'd be like, yo, I'm from Toronto. Next time your artist comes here, like the next time... Who's like not a big artist, but like a kind of semi big artist? Like, careful with who you say. You don't want them to watch this. No, I don't care. Doesn't Kim Lee? No, like I'm trying to think like. How small? Like, no, okay. Like, he's huge. How many Jack Harlow. Let's say Jack Harlow. He's huge. He's not small by any means. But let's say I go to LA, I hit it off with his manager or his agent, whatever, and they're like, yo, you're the fucking man. And I'm like, I'm from Toronto and I want to put on a concert with you guys when Jack Harlow comes here, even though I have no credit or anything. And they're mm -hmm. like, yep, yeah, okay, we'll do it. I now got to go pay Jack Harlow his fee. Now I have to go find a venue to put Jack Harlow in. And his fee is determined on how many like tickets, by the way, like their fee mm -hmm. will go up or down, right? Based on how big a venue is or not. So I have to buy a venue. I have to like make sure that I'm hiring security for for that i have to get insurance mm -hmm. i have to do xyz there's there's a lot of things that go in the back end the cool thing about inc is that we own venues where a lot of promoters don't own venues they're just they're middlemen that are putting together the two things mm -hmm. we actually own the venue so in that sense it's pretty cool because like we can better margins better margins exactly we have that we have that venue there already so it's like not only are we putting our own shows in there, but other people are putting their shows as well into our... That's venue. a great way to not only just be able to buy a property, but pay that property off super quick. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, That's exactly it. Yeah. That's exactly How much it. of uh, Inc. is also just like a real estate giant? Do they own Do they own the restaurants that, that own the property that the no, restaurants No, I think operate? a lot of it is... I think a lot of it is like leases, to be honest. Okay. Yeah. They're, they're not like... Uh, it's not like we own the buildings. Is that because there's issues with like uh, company credit and cash flow? No, no, I wouldn't say it has to do with that. I honestly don't know why it's like that. Um, Pretty common, actually. I don't, I don't know yeah. if like the people that makes sense. That makes sense. Liability. I think it's. I honestly think it's just that the people who own these venues, all like own them from like the '80s and like mm. fucking. And they way don't want to sell. Way. No, dude. Why would you ever want to sell fucking? A premium toy box, premium yeah. venue like in the middle middle of yeah. the city, for example, hypothetically. Yeah. I'm sure, like, I don't know the work inner workings of what he, like, owns versus what he leases, but I know not everything is owned for sure. It mm -hmm. can't be. That's eye-opening. I had no idea that. That is crazy. So what about the Bisha? The Bisha, what we partnered with Lifetime Development. So the development company, we partnered with mm -hmm. them to build the building, and then... I think there's three, and again, I'm actually making this up. I don't know for a fact, Okay. but I think there's three partners where it's like there's a development partner and then a hotel partner and then Charles, which is like the name. He's the brand, right? right? So the hotel, the development partner has like built the entire building because right. up to seven floors is hotel and then above mm -hmm. seven floors is residences. And then we have a hotel partner that operates the hotels for us that like, because we're not a a hotel operate like we don't know how to operate a hotel so we just partner with a hotelier and then um and then charles is obviously you know he 
he brought the brand. Really, that's what he carries, mm-hmm. right? People know that Charles yeah. is a part of a project. They want to come to it. He hits. He never. He doesn't miss. He doesn't miss. He, I mean, the guy like doesn't spare a penny. He he's he's been in this business for so long. He knows how things work, what to do, what can work, what doesn't. And so it's like, yeah, like that's what makes his brand so valuable. Is like when you know that he comes out with a new venue, it's gonna be like done proper. So, so we talked about restaurants. We talked about music and concerts. Let's get to the juicy stuff. Clubs. Clubs. What's crazy is <laughs> given the job that you were in, you had to show up yeah. at these clubs multiple times a week. So you had access throughout the m- most of your 20s yes. to unlimited alcohol. The hottest clubs. Girls everywhere. Everywhere. Literally everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. Um, <laughs> backstage passes to the performers. Like you yeah. had on stage, access to... On stage on passes. Stage, like You had access to literally everything that was happening in the city for free every single night. And you showed up. Gets old quick. <laughs> it gets old quick, but you showed up, right? And you were, you were in this world. Have you ever had a sip of alcohol in your life? Never. Never. Actually, one time accidentally because I thought it was Powerade. <laughs> Turns out somebody had mixed it. But the second I took, like, like I put it, like, I squirted something. I legit, this person mixed alcohol with Gatorade or Powerade. That's a common thing. I yeah, know. I, did, I didn't know that, right? <laughs> but the thing is, they didn't even put it into, like, a red cup. They just, like, had it in the water bottle. So I'm like, oh, it's Gatorade. It's like, and it was my friend's place. I remember it was my friend's party. So it wasn't weird to just, anyways, I took a sip. As soon as I took a little sip, I was like, oh, okay, that taste like rubbing alcohol and i was like my friends are laughing at me because like like that's my only association to alcohol it's like rubbing alcohol so i'm like that's, they're like yeah that's yeah. literally vodka <laughs> like that's insane like How that's gross you? this is like high school it was a house party wow so yeah. you had how many times do you think you've been to a club in a booth with access to alcohol i don't know dude life? like to like i have no idea a lot thousands L- like a lot yeah i mean like my job, when I remember I told you I joined the company and I'm like a heading social media. So it's like we have to dot like stories just came out and stories were it. Like stories are still it. I feel like people just look at stories. Mm. So nice. the idea is that like no one's going to watch a story from a club night and be like, yo, look like it's popping. Let's go. It's probably too late. You already had your plans. Blah, blah. The idea is that you wake up Sunday morning and you're looking through stories and you're like, holy fuck, I missed a crazy night. Mm. And I want to go next time. That's the idea. So, and we do stuff at Rebel. Like, for the people that don't know Rebel, it's like one of the largest entertainment venues in Canada. It's a massive fucking club. This thing belongs in Vegas. We literally imagine a club from Vegas just got literally plopped out mm-hmm. and landed in Toronto. And so, on the inside, we have like performances, we have performers. Like, it just, it's larger than life when you walk in there. And so, like, we want to capture this. From like a marketing standpoint, right? Mm. We want to showcase this. This is our unique advantage. We're not just another room with four walls. And so, yeah, like I had to be there to capture it. Obviously, while I'm there, it's like, it's fun. And you want to like, you build relationships with the VIP clients that come often and the regulars and whatnot. And so like you're in the booths and like you want to, you know, showcase the things that people want to see and like you want to have fun with it. There are different... La, like each 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 venue has a different kind of tone. Mm-hmm. Certain ones are a little more rebels classier, 
Toy Box is like off the walls. Like Toy Box is crazy, man. Toy Box, like we have a small bear, a small man who just like yeah, he runs short around, guy, runs around in the bear. Around in oh, the is bear that what that is? Yeah, <laughs> I, I just thought that dude is like no, dude. He's a, whose idea time. was that? Yeah, who came up with that's some like the first time I went to Toy Box? I'm like, what's going on? Dude, he started jumping and grinding on all the girls. This guy, he <laughs> is. In a that's bear the whole costume. point. He's supposed to be like a Ted, the bear. So he's that. supposed to be like bad. <laughs> and he, whose and idea the, was that, man? So the our the our designer that thought of like the designer club designed a similar club like it in the UK. And so we use the same designer. So he kind of created this idea. And so part of the brand is that you have this badass bear. And so like at first we're like kind of like, oh shit, like what do we like? Should he really be like taking the yeah. bottle and like giving it to girls? Should he not? And then after a while we're like, fuck it. And so like <laughs> he's just like pouring shots for girls. Like girls are grinding on him. Like, yo, like how sweaty he's. But he, the guy, well, imagine in that, being in a costume in that club. Oh yeah, he's a legend, bro. He's a legend. That's I don't want to say his name, but like, does he get paid he's well? A, he's a legend. I, <laughs> so that should answer the question. Uh, actually, no. He gets paid <laughs> in, no. in legendary I mean, listen, status. You wouldn't keep coming week after week in a sweaty costume if you weren't getting paid good. True. This is this is a valid yeah. point. So to met so many people listening, possibly what they just heard was. I can get paid as my full-time job to show up to clubs multiple times a week and take a bunch of stories. That sounds like the dream job. What and was the reality? It's work. It is work. And I think that's what allowed me to be successful in my, you know, for as long as I've been with the company now for almost six years is that, yes, it's fun to get into a club, to be on stage, to be backstage, to, to party, blah, blah, blah. But like, you're thinking about the story and thinking about, like the Instagram stories, the best Instagram stories are stories. Like are, it starts here, you go into the main room, you're going into the next room. Like you're thinking about, it's not just you getting into the club, doing a pan, zooming in. Like that's what we do on our own stories because it's whatever. But this is a curated story. And like I'm telling you, it's me. I have a, like, a, a, like a, a, a manager under me. And we just hired another coordinator. And so that's three of us. We have four nightclubs that are open like Friday and Saturday, some of them. And now we have like a day club that's opening. Like there's just not enough bodies. I'm constantly looking for people that I can pay to literally show up. There's one girl, shout out Donna. I used to use this girl that used to come to Cabana. She used to do the best curated stories ever. When I lost her, I was so sad. She would, but like, it was work. Like, even though you're there and you're having fun, you're working, you're, th you can't, it's not the same as just going there. Like we were just to go, um, and just have a enjoyable night. Like, that's the thing is like, it, it's glamorous on the outside, but people don't realize that there's thought behind it. Right. You're trying to build out a story. You're trying to capture the right moments. You're often just like roaming the venue, looking for that next moment. That's about to pop off. Yeah. Like you're not just standing in a place partying. And certainly if you're, you know, if I ever caught you drinking or like, like trying to get fucked up, you're getting like, you're losing the opportunity right away. You're, you know what I mean? Well, I would like, imagine, especially just, Young people getting into that and environment. And people get carried away, You man. can get carried people, away, caught up in that. People that work with talent get carried away. They think that, oh, well, like I'm friends with now so-and-so. And then you start, no, you're, this is a job. This is professional. We 
are the team that puts on these experiences. We're not the ones that all like, sure, we get to enjoy it to an extent, but we're putting on the experience for other people to enjoy. And I think people that are, you know, you really quickly are able to see the ones that take it serious versus not. And I think that's what allowed me to kind of be here as long as I have is like right. people know that it's work. You know what I mean? And so like, yeah, like if you're interested in getting involved, like you can reach out to people that you see that work at these companies. It's very hard to get in. It is very hard. And a lot of people want to get in. And it's a lot of, do you need me? Do you need me? No. Do you need me? No. Do you need me? No. But if you ask me a hundred times and then one time I need you and once I use you, I'll keep using you. So don't be discouraged a lot of the times by like not needing, but like I know right now if you're listening to this and I don't know like when this comes out, but like going into summer 2022, like we need interns and we need people that we can help. Uh, and we pay these people also to show up on weekends. It's like when I say interns, I mean like there are also students that are actually at college. I don't know about university, but college that do co-op terms with us. And it's like credited, like they actually get credits for it. But then for the ones that don't do that, um, we pay them to just show up on the weekend. But again, it's like I get a hundred applications. I swear. I mean, for a role like what I'm talking about to do that, I would just want to see that you're doing what you're trying to do. You're not just talking about wanting, like I would yeah. be like, here's an idea of, you know, I think this idea would be amazing. And I think you should take videos like this type of style. Like, don't tell me. Show me that you're doing it's that. It's so crazy that you bring that up. I was having a conversation at work today about progressing into leadership. And this happens in like the white collar corporate world. If you want a job, start doing it before we give it to you. 100%. It's so much easier. I've always operated under this belief that I can probably like, I'll do freelance. You know, I do freelance marketing for people and I do like advertise Facebook ads, Google ads. In my experience, I found that, yeah, you didn't know that? How have you not told me this? That's what I specialize in, bro. Yeah. What? All right. We'll talk about this later. What? <laughs> Anyways. Um, so I've always operated under the belief, and I don't know who I heard it from, but I heard it when I was young, and I thank God I did. It is so much easier for me to win your business by just doing it and showing you I can do it versus sitting here trying to convince you I can do it. Clip that. Clip that, Aiden. What? Aiden, clip that. Who's okay? And <laughs> and so yeah, like I've always operated under that under that mindset is like, let me show you that I can do this versus sit here until I'm blue in the face and tell you why I'm the yeah. right fit. And when I'm looking for someone to join the team, that's what I'm looking for. The girl I that's my manager now that I hired. She was telling us like, we need to be on TikTok. We need to be doing reels. We need to be doing this. I looked at her page and she was posting hella TikToks and hella reels and doing everything she was telling us that we need to do. I loved her. Boom. It's guaranteed. As, a, as somebody that's hiring you, we have no stress in terms of whether or not you can deliver. We don't have to train you. You're ready to go. You're plug and play. Dude, the, the crazy thing is these days is like, like, I, you know, if you're looking to get into, I don't want to say into the workforce, but like if you're looking to get to like into these jobs like that are hard to get into, like something like at Inc., for example, which is it's tough, like in the sense that there's not a lot of turnover. It's really dope to work there. And so you want to kind of be there as long as you can. Um, 
the biggest way to stand out is to literally like just do things that make our lives easier. We just hired. Okay, let me give you an example. There's a videographer. Oh yeah, we met yeah, him. We He's met sick. him. You when did you guys meet him? We met him at Super Bowl night. We met him yes. at a few. Concerts. Dude, this kid's yeah. a legend. Okay, this kid just came out of high school. He's the youngest person to ever get hired at our company. He could have sat there and sent us his resume and been like, "Oh, I've I have three years of editing experience and like I own this Canon. It's a great quality camera." Blah blah. blah. No. He literally showed up to one of, he met a promoter that was at our club and was like, yo, I want to shoot you a video. The promoter didn't need a video. He's like, I want to shoot you a video just for free, pro bono. Got into the club, shot this promoter video. The promoter posted it. We were like to our promoter, yo, that video is dope. Who shot your video? He's like, this kid just like offered to do it. So we're like, yo, would you be willing to do something for us? He did something for us. I think, like, I think we paid him from the get-go. But, like, if there's a case, sometimes, like, we'll be like, can we see your style of work? Are you willing to shoot a video for free? You'll be surprised. Some people are like, no. Which is, listen, I get it. Some people just, they want to get paid. But it's, to me, I'm a, I'm under the impression that, you know what? Yeah, I'll, sh I'll, I'll, like, I'll go up to people and be like, let me do this for free just to prove to you that I got this stuff. So, anyways, he did us a, a, a video shoot. We're like, yo, this kid's fucking legendary. We hired him, and now he's like, he's literally was in high school last year. It's crazy to me. Now he's like, he's our main in-house videographer at our company, and he's fucking skilled. And he didn't get into this position by telling us that he's skilled. He got into this position by doing it and showing us what he can do. This is how Philip hires people. Correct. Don't tell people that you could do shit. Show them what you've done. And if you haven't done anything, fucking do it. There's no excuse, man. Like, there, everything we want today is so easily accessible for us. Like, there are affordable mics mm. if you want to start a podcast. You don't need I the best. Necessarily mic. say these were affordable, more or less. No, these look like great mics. I don't know if these were <laughs> affordable, but, but like, I mean, we got you guys got that uh, tech money, you know. So it's like, yeah, <laughs> dropouts though. Dropouts, but dropout money. I mean. Let's say you couldn't afford these mics. There are literally thirty dollar mics. Like I yeah. don't give a fuck who you are. You can afford a thirty dollar yeah. mic. You can, you, can you can afford. You give your everyone has one of these today. Use this as your camera. Yeah. There's no excuses not to be able to do the things that you want to do. If you want to fucking do ads, learn it on Google. There, there's infinite information everywhere. There's infinite information everywhere. So there's no excuse for you not to be able to already start doing the things that you want to be doing. What's crazy is we have friends that are trying to start up their own um, marketing agency, uh, Sunday Studios. Shout out Sunday Studios. Shout and one of the, the things girls. that they're doing before they start to get a huge influx of clients is they literally just find brands that they're fans of and do projects that they would dream of doing for oh. them for free. I love that. Dude, I've seen so much of this. I don't know if they're on TikTok, but I see people on TikTok recreating logos, but yeah. like think Skittles, but the luxury version of Skittles and that shit blows. Yeah, the, like we're talking hundreds of thousands, millions of views. There are pages out there. Look up the hashtags and you're, you're going to be like, oh my God. First of all, they're not getting paid to do this, but this sure. is going to lead to so much opportunity. So many companies coming to them mm -hmm. and being like, can you do this it's for this project I'm working on? I'll pay you X amount of money yeah. or whatever. Exactly. Or you could do it as like if I'm Sunday Studios or just any, 
any individual who wants to work on huge projects for amazing companies, come up with really cool ideas, put it on social media. They could be like, bet. At we that's actually a good idea. They they came out with like a full send condom thing, and they've seen that. That's yeah. so sick. It it says uh, uh what did it say? It they was like hard something. Yeah, something. It was really clever. Yeah, and they're doing this it for like so all of these companies. Eventually, something's gonna click. Yeah, man. Like, and it just to your point. Yeah, so that's do my it point. Before like, it comes your way. Like yeah, so for anyone that's like trying to get into the the workforce, that's what you want to do. And sorry, even if it's not even the workforce, even if you're trying to do your own thing, like a lot of people would be like, "Oh, I can't get clients for my marketing agency because I've never had a client." Go out and just create fucking marketing campaigns for clients that you don't even have. Yeah. Like Thank do you. shit. Yeah. Just like do shit. If you don't have any clients, chances are you know, you're not, you don't have a crazy income right now. Chances are you're living at home and you have time. Maybe you have a shitty job, but you have time. That's the thing. You have time. You have time. The only time you're clocking in and out is that you're six, eight hours of work. The rest of the day you have free. You can do whatever you want. Stop playing Minecraft. Stop playing <laughs> Call of Duty. Stop playing GTA. Stop watching porn. Stop watching Twitch. Stop watching porn. <laughs> well, you two can say that. <laughs> I'm not going to commit to that. I joke. But yeah, that's like, that's, that's just the, the mindset that you have to operate. And I think naturally you guys, you know, to be a white collar dropout. So as they say, is like, <laughs> so as you guys that. say, they say that, they say that. like you have to, to get to that point, you had to sacrifice time. So much free work. You have no idea so much. how many hours I spent doing free work. Like I was not even free work. Like, Pennies on the hour. Dude, I spent years doing free work. Yeah. yeah. Just to show it to people and then be like, cool. And that's it. Sometimes that's all you get. Sometimes it's also look like at don't it. don't sell yourself short. We're not like I don't think the idea is like to just go out and fucking uh, like give yourself out for free, but you something's gotta give. If you don't have experience, you don't have people paying you, then you need to build a stronger resume. You need to build a stronger resume. You need to build more experience. And that comes through free work. And these days in the marketing world, all the resume is is your TikTok account or yeah, your Instagram account. Yeah. Whatever you're it's doing, not something on, on a PDF file. Yeah, Whatever you're doing, put it on your TikTok. Make a reel about it. Short form video content. If you're not taking what you're trying to do and putting it into short form video content and putting it onto those two platforms, you are... Spinning in circles. No, you're just, you're just nobody. Nobody knows you. You're irrelevant. Nobody Those cares. Those are two audience. Instagram Reels and TikTok are going to be the two platforms available to you right now that are very easy to use. That you can push content out quickly. That's going to find you a brand new audience. And thirst trap. Facts. Yeah, thirst trapping is a big deal. Zach's a thirst trapper. I just. I'm when, not he does Zach, his hair, when he does Zach his hair, he knows GR, exactly what's, what's it called? What's the GR get ready? GRW. Grimium. Grim? Grimium. Grimium. I don't even know. Grimium thirst trapper. Get ready Grimium. with me. Do people call that? That's what I started. I haven't done that in a long time. But He um, actually opened a $600 candle. The other day. And he's at 100,000 views idea was in that? 24 yes. hours. Well, because what is we, it? You just, just use the sound, or what was it? Hashtags? What the no, sound? No, it was oh. just a six hundred dollar candle, Ramsey. A six hundred dollar candle? Yeah, I missed that part. Yeah, 
You bought a six hundred dollar candle. It's a six hundred dollar. It's candle. sitting right over there. It's in the kitchen in the cabinet. <laughs> I'm gonna burn. I'm gonna it. bring it over for the camera. Yeah, go get it. Um, so I I basically just came Is up this with an this Hermes candle. It's Le Labo or Labo, whatever. I don't know. You know oh, that company. It's huge. They had a concrete and it came in a crate and I had to open it with a drill. Holy shit! No wonder. Where'd you get this now, from? Now, apparently, there's a right way to burn it. Like, when you when Holy the candle... Holy shit! When the candle loses its virginity, there's a r- correct way of doing wow, it. Wow, that smells so good. If you guys could smell this, it's like... Um, well, I bought a mini version of the candle. Just yeah. It's like it's like a vanilla floral scent. What is the... It's Santal 26, so if anybody knows what that is. It's, uh, it's legit, you know. That's how... That's what it is. Damn. But I'm a nobody. I posted a video, 100,000 people watched in 24 hours. So imagine if that was some type of work that I had done. 100,000 people are seeing work that I'm doing for other brands that isn't actually real. Sending me messages and saying, hey, do this for me. Organic sales coming from Mm -hmm. TikTok. And it's very interesting because if I'm somebody that owns a brand, I do. (laughs) Multiple. Uh, if I'm somebody that owns a brand and I have like this vision, but I don't know who the person is to fulfill that vision and I see it on TikTok, I am willing to pay a premium for you to do that work for me because you're my guy or you're my girl. I'm going to pay Facts. you whatever it costs to get that done because that's my vision. Facts. And, and also, so many business owners don't know what they want sometimes until they see it. That is true. You're putting fresh ideas out there. Something's the amount of times I had to pitch ideas and, and the, it's always like, uh, uh, and then I started learning like, yo, fuck pitching ideas. I'm just going to do what I want right. and then show them it. And yeah, sometimes you do the work and they're like, nah, but other times they're like, oh, this is what you meant. Mm. Okay, dope. Let's do this. That's how you I, get ahead. Yeah. I, I don't, I actually started my career. I was always talking about ideas and then. Things did not really pick up for me until I just took the idea in my head, came up with a plan on how to execute it, execute it, and then turn around and show them the results. Because when you're high up in a business, you don't have the mental energy to follow along a foreign idea step by step by step and try to make sense of it. You know what makes sense Mm. to a business owner? Seeing their revenue go up. Exactly. Mm. Oh, how did that revenue go up? Uh, this is what I did. Okay, keep doing it. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. It's, it's that literally simple. like TikTok. Like, I don't have time to watch all the TikToks we post. Like, I, I would love to, but I don't. I look at the analytics. Yeah. Send me the analytics. Exactly. Yeah. What, have you, what did you do? This is great. Keep doing it. Exactly. And even in the corporate world. I don't know what this video was, but whatever it was, it stopped it because it. it clearly it's not. Oh, yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. And, and you, send that, you send that to the creator and the creator will know what, exactly what you're talking about. Even in the corporate world, um, if you have an idea of how things should be different, everybody in the corporate world is unhappy with process. Start doing those things that are different. And if they're out of your control, then figure out a way for yourself to influence, influence it. Um, yeah, dude, uh, it's just right now the name of the game is action for sure. And then don't speak or open your mouth until you've executed. 
even if you fail, it's fine because if you fail and you have no results, you at least have an idea of how to navigate moving forward. And even after you fail once, that's an appropriate time to even open your mouth because you say, hey, look, this is what I tried to do and it didn't work. Here's, here's, why, here's why I think it didn't work. What's your opinion on why it didn't work? And what do I need to do in your mind in order to get to the end result? But it's that talking I want? about something that was done. Again, it's exactly. not talking about hypothetically if I did this and it didn't work, what do you think? It's like, no, it's like, just do it. You have the data. Exactly. The data is your experience. Exactly. Your experience affects judgment and your judgment affects your decision making. Now go make the right decision. And there's so many things too where we try it and then we learn, we, you just learn way more by doing it than you would by thinking yeah. about doing it, right? So it's like, it could be a podcast. Like, you know, we can sit here all day long and scheme about what format, what kind of questions should we do. But no, just do a fucking podcast episode and through doing them, you're going to yeah. learn, oh, we need to do more of this or we need to do less of this. Yes, yeah, uh, Naval Ravikant talks a lot about this. He calls it um, le- le- or learning through iterations. Okay. So yeah, that makes sense. the more you iterate, the more experience you gain and the better decisions you can make moving forward. Get your shots up. That's what yeah. my mentor told me. I'm a basketball fan. My mentor spoke it to me in my language. He said, get your shots up. Customer customer presentations and sales pitches, you're going to you're gonna be so awkward and so uncomfortable for your first two years doing it. But just get your shots up. When you start pitching ideas to, or you know, pitching plans or or some whatever to internal leadership or asking promotions, get your shots up. Go interview for that manager role, even though you're totally unqualified. Because 100%. by the time that you are qualified, dude, you'll have one level up on all of your competition. So I applied to be. Uh, so I applied for this uh, role recently. It was like a VP role for a massive metaverse company that, like, I'm still talking to them, so I'm not going to name them. But uh, way underqualified. Like they were looking for someone that's been working in the crypto space, that's helped build crypto brands, um, like that has seven years experience like doing that. Uh, Yes, crypto has been around much longer than seven years for people that think like, because it's been so recent, people feel like, oh, crypto has been around for like what, two years? No. Um, Anyways, the guy within... He was the CEO I was talking to within literally five minutes. He's like, what a role are you? What role did you apply for? I knew what role I applied for, but he was asking me thinking that I don't even know it. I'm like the VP of marketing. He's like, he's like, why do you think you're qualified? And we just started talking, bro, it's exactly what you said. I knew I was underqualified for this, but I wanted to just get my shots up. I wanted to just do it because I was not going to learn any other way. I was not. What's so funny is that a lot of the questions he was asking me were in my main experience of doing the work I do. I'm so focused on the tactics of like, I know what marketing strategies work. I know how to dial my Facebook ads to get the best results. I know what kind of things to tweak. And when he was talking to me about like why I'd be good for fit for the job, I started talking to him about tactical stuff and he knew right away I wasn't fit for that VP position because right off the bat, he said, the person I'm looking for is is an expert at finding the right talent not at the tactics because they've done the tactics already they were already a director or a senior manager or whatever but as a vp you're not tweet you're not doing like the dirty work you're finding the right people and now managing the right people but i didn't even like because i've never 
you know, I've never been in that VP position. I was never under that impression. So I shot my shot up. I failed horribly. But through that experience, he's like, I have yet to meet anyone that's just like gun for like this. And now he's trying to talk to me about some other stuff, which but is now, you know, because if another VP position comes up, you know exactly how to tackle exactly. That. But I would have never known had I sat there and been worried or scared about failing and thought about, ooh, what's the perfect things I want to talk about and answer. Just fucking put your shots. up. Guess what? Most VPs, directors and managers did not get the first leadership position that they applied oh, for. Definitely. Failure has to be part of the process. Has to. With every single job. I applied to the company that I'm at and I got rejected eight times before I got the job. Um, my boss got rejected six times. One of the fastest growing leaders at the company. That's crazy. Six times? Six times. Like, how is that even a thing? Eight times. We like, have a, if you applied for the sixth time, if you applied for the sixth time, bro, yeah. get the fuck out of here, bro. Like, <laughs> Yeah, no, we actually had, a, I don't, this is true last year. I don't know if it's still true, but we have a lower acceptance rate. <laughs> Why are Harvard. you still applying? <laughs> We're know. not going to hire you. But you keep coming back. And then I'm going to fucking keep hire you. back and eventually. But you are the man. But that's like, I fucked up seven times. I was too, like, every single time I learned, right? It wasn't, you know, two or three times would have been really nice. But eight times, the second I started, I was better than other people. Exactly. Because I, I believe that. I, it was eight times of me having to realize something new and something That they new. wanted from the role. What yeah. do they look for? The questions you ask, like, what, what makes someone good? Because exactly. when you get rejected and you really want something, you go an extra mile. Then I started to interview people that already had the job. I got rejected a second time. Imagine what I was doing then. I was interviewing people that were leaders in the job. Nice. I rejected a third time. I was like, It was just more and more and more and by the time i finally got yes i was 10 steps ahead of the person Big that got hired the first time and i had more to prove so you're working harder you have more fire Big facts Big so facts. rejection has to be part of the process not only for you just get get it for the very first time but to excel in it as well same thing with entrepreneurship you gotta fail you gotta fail you gotta fail most of philip's life is failing I can 99 percent of it, baby. We should but do an episode one. where we talk about all the shit that we've tried and we failed. Yeah, oh yeah, that'd, that'd be, be dope. Long that's episode. on the that's on the schedule. Oh, yeah. Okay. We talked about failure before, but we haven't gone through every Not, little yeah. thing. It's a lot because it's a lot. But, but really, the premise of failure is like we fail 99 percent of the time, but the one percent that we do actually succeed leads to shit like this. You nailed it. I literally can't say anything else. You nailed it. It's worth the one percent. Well, gentlemen, boys, good talk. Where are we at? Was how? We're at a good. We got a really good time. Yeah, we're at. This a is a good time. Great time. This is good. Yeah. Fuck, we did. We talked about a lot. All right, a lot of value got dropped. Thank you, Ramsey. Thank you guys for having for me. Being this is here. fun. We'll have to do this again. Uh, put your glasses on. Oh. That is what. <sighs> These are the hater blockers. This is what marketing leaders do. He calls is, them his hater blockers. Yeah. Y'all can judge me, but I can't even, it just doesn't penetrate. It's like blocked right here. You can't penetrate. And Ramsey. yeah, that's where I'm going to wrap this up. <laughs> that's white collar dropouts. <laughs> Thank you, Ramsey, for being here. Thank you so much for listening and watching. And we'll see you next time. Peace. Peace. Thanks for watching, Dorota.